it. Welcome to Strata Stories. My name is Thomas Schreiber. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, talks with Justin Stiver, the owner of Total Therapy Florida. Justin grew the practice from one to now seven clinics across Florida. Paul and Justin dive deep into Justin's content strategy, sharing exactly how he approaches the media side of his business. And he also shares his clinic's approach to re-engagement with past patients. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. If I were to look at your content six months from now, and I sort of like look at the table of contents with all the videos or whatever of the content you're creating, are there certain themes that you guys are going to definitely touch on or, and it's okay if you're not there yet. It's a combination of, of, of what we feel like is the best thing to talk about, but also based on, on the research that almost all this research is being done by Jeremy um, on the back end of what's the most out of our 10 competitors, you know, which videos are the most watched, um, what topics are the most debated, clicked, things like like that, which there's a few KPIs that he follows that that really point him in the right direction. He'll send me a list. I think he sent me 10 or top, you know, content topics, ideas. And then from there, I'm going to take those and break them down. It, you know, what I think based on our experience in the demographic we treat in, what we're best suited to make a fun and educational video on. There's a handful of things that are most watched, which kind of also fall into the same statistical grouping as our highest diagnosis type of stats. So low back pain, balance, posture, neck pain, you know, that kind of thing in general is a highly looked after thing. And then Basically, you you want to go in there and and find specific ideas inside of that category that people are care about at that at that time. When it comes to just YouTube, you know they're they're almost using it to almost search for the answer to their problem. So it's and that kind of is a tough thing to navigate with our our staff because in the physical therapy clinic, we're kind of sending that message of hey. This, there's not a quick fix to this. You know, you have to learn this stuff. It's going to take a few treatment sessions to learn this and get you better. Whereas in general on the internet, everyone wants to three exercises that's going to fix your shoulder pain in five seconds. Okay. Like they want that is the most searched after thing. So, but what is that? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really exist. So I kind of feel like a hypocrite in a way saying like, Hey guys, you just clicked on this video, but let me educate you for a second here. This is going to take longer than five seconds, you know, but that's a problem we can solve because honestly, we solve that problem in the clinic all the time too. Someone comes in and says like, Hey, my doctor told me I can just come in for a one visit and you'll, you'll set me up on some home exercises because I really don't want to pay a $50 copay. And I'm like, okay, you know, we can certainly do that. And then you spend the next five to 10 minutes educating them on on the reality of it. And you say it in a way that doesn't they feel like you're fighting them on it, but you're actually just helping them make the right choice. And that's pretty much what the message is going to be in the YouTube videos. Now there are certainly things like the other thing is too, that by the time someone gets into the PT clinic for therapy, they're usually 
a little bit more of a chronic case. They looked on YouTube. They tried a few things. They went to their doctor. They waited two weeks to get into their doctor. Their doctor sent them to an ortho. The ortho was two months out. So by the time they got to the ortho, got a referral for physical therapy, they're three to four months out from their injury. And at that point, it is very difficult to fix someone quickly. Whereas you know, what I will say is if you can get their eyes on your videos and your content the day after they tweak themselves, they're, they are going to get better a lot faster. So I, I, I think that's our message is, is like kind of general education on, on some really good stuff that can help someone that hasn't been dealing with a lot of complex pain for a long time, get better pretty quickly. And, and I seem to, you know, when I run that by the therapists, they, they're on board with that. You know, it's it's because I don't want to create something that goes against our core values, kind of what we're going after in the clinic either. Um, my mission is to have like the therapist kind of consulting with me on, hey, what kind of things should we be telling these patients in these videos? You know, and and if we can pull that off in our team, like, for example, this morning, I'm going to chat with eight or 10 of them. And, and they're, they're giving me ideas on this first video that we're going to shoot. Tom- I think we're shooting it tomorrow afternoon. And they're super stoked about it. They're telling us, oh yeah, this works for me. This works for me. So I'm going to kind of take one or two things from each therapist. I'm going to put them in this video and it's going to be a huge morale boost for us and hopefully be successful on the other end there. I just imagine there's some other practice owner listening to this, right? So let's say we market this thing, uh, this episode as how practice owners should be creating content in 2023 and beyond. So now listening to you talk about that's really fascinating. When you think about success, what does that look like right now? You know, for you're ahead of the curve more so than most practice owners because you're thinking about like marketing and and you're thinking about this, right? I think a lot of practice owners may not be there yet. and And even if there are, they don't know what success looks like. So when you think about three months from now or six months from now, based on what you know today, like moving target, of course, but like what platforms are you guys targeting? Does this content like, are you guys thinking like short form, long form? What are those metrics of success? Like however you want to answer that, or if you want to kick it back, I can talk to you about how we think about it if it's less comfortable to talk about your own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I would like your input on this because you have a lot more experience than, than I do on on the platform specifically different platforms and, you know, what the different metrics to success look like. For me, I think it's important to note that I don't feel like even though we're just so we're in almost year number six of of having Total Therapy Florida, and we've grown quickly. It's not like, I think if you compare us to our peers, uh, we've opened up, you know, a new location every year or more. We've grown, you know, revenues about about 13 or 14 X in six years, we've done really well when it comes to that side of things. So this wasn't the first thing that we did. And if I had to do it all over again, it still wouldn't be one of the first things that we did. You know, I, I might make a little bit more content as a startup, but I certainly wouldn't have Jeremy full time hired doing this stuff now because it really did take all of my bandwidth to grow those first few clinics, you know, and, and I did those with not just, you know, with a lot of kind of local marketing, a lot of kind of other things that we in, invested in, you know, so I'm not sure if I'm correct by saying this, but I don't know that like, you know, launching the whole 
whole like YouTube channel and putting a bunch of capital behind that is an early stage thing? Or if you would have to do it more like, you know, yourself, maybe doing your own video, your own editing, maybe not not be looking for as high quality of content, but still putting stuff out there and focus more on the local marketing game in the beginning. So I was actually going to go back and talk about kind of that side of things, because I do think it's important to have a well-rounded approach to local and digital and broad based and brand, you know, it's so like we've talked about before, as soon as you open up that first clinic or that second clinic, you got to get people on the tables as soon as possible. You can't just start to grow people organically through content, you know, that's, that's not going to pan out for you. So I think, and that brings us back to the other marketing thing we were talking about, you know, through email, which is a company that we hired to help us do that. It's funny when you sign up for a company, I guess this is probably in a lot of contracts, but it just kind of strikes me as funny now that we can look back on it. I'm not allowed to say anything bad about them for two years after uh, terminating the contract. Yeah. So definitely don't want to name any names or, you know, speak on any details that would give away who, who I'm talking about. But basically, the education that I gained from hiring this company was valuable and, and pretty valuable. And it's not that it wasn't something that isn't out there or that I didn't already know, but it just kind of was the final straw that, that made me realize that I'm that this is this is the way it is. And um, basically, it's not rocket science, but these companies want you to think that it's rocket science. They want you to think that so that you don't try and do it on your own. And there's honestly not a lot of solutions out there to guide someone, especially in the physical therapy field, to do this stuff on their own, especially in a small business setting where you probably have two to five hours per week to dedicate to this thing. And it's just not something you can learn in two to five hours. That's why I was saying that it would be awesome to have some sort of a pathway to do that quickly and easily, you know, and I think most importantly is as you build your clientele, because this company that we hired, they specialized in getting cold, cold clients, you know, and in, in getting new clients. I'll say that that game of you spending your minutes in the day to, to get someone that's cold, a cold lead to sign up to do, that's a miserable uh, experience. I won't get you in any trouble here, but I would just say whether you're a clinic owner or just any type of business owner, if you're dealing with a vendor that has a non-disparagement clause in there, that probably goes to show you just how much they think they're going to be successful. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just that should be the the tell. But obviously, I'm armchair quarterbacking here, right? Like, you know, you don't know what you don't know at the time. But yeah, I mean, I think lesson learned there. It's like if, if the vendor's got a non-disparagement clause in there, that sort of tells you what you're about to walk into. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. The other thing I'll just say is, and and this is going to be the uncomfortable part, I I think not for you so much because you get this, but I think for a lot of other practice owners, you know, I've been investing in in companies for over 15 years now. And one of the things I just say over and over is, is you cannot outsource the core functions. And, And what is the core function? Well, the core function, number one, is delivering whatever it is you sell, in this case, therapy. You can't outsource that. And the second thing is, is, you can't ever outsource the the marketing. Yeah, you could probably use an agency or something to augment it, but the core, the strategy, the voice, like 
you just can't. I mean, it's just it doesn't work. The the incentives are misaligned. You know, it's it's just it's just not pretty. You know, this is my own fault for for not not knowing this or not you know realizing this. But they they pitch you on a on an ROI. You know, on on a we can get you this many planet cares, and then and then this is how much you know. <laughs> you have to factor in a lot of stuff. And one thing I was not anticipating was having a full-time person basically at the helm that take these leads. And by the way, cold, cold leads, you, you know, this, I didn't know this. We're not used to a lot of cold leads in the, in the small, small business, you know, that we're in because every lead that comes in is warm because it's a, it's aunt Susie's neighbor, or it's, you know, someone's, someone's, someone's friend or, or a family member. And those people are easy. You pick up the phone, they kind of trust you. They, they don't ask a lot of questions. They, they're great, great clients. And you just, just have to do your core service well. And, and they love you. Now, these leads that we were getting to come into our clinics and listen to us talk about a certain topic were cold leads. And they, you know, not only did they not qualify as, you know, from a, actual technical standpoint with insurances. And we found that 85% of the people coming into us, which took a ton of time, each one of those people took a ton of time to actually walk through our door. That 85% of those people didn't even have insurances that we accept because their the marketing wasn't tailored to that person specifically. So what I kind of learned is that you have to use the technology and you have to set up the marketing and the advertising to funnel the, I think we were getting them at the top of the funnel and then somehow, you know, instead of letting them go through the funnel to, you know, get rid of the people that, that have no chance of, of actually coming into you once they, they buy into the fact that it's worth coming to see you. Cause that was the most frustrating thing to me was you were doing this presentation to 20 people, 16 of those people stopped by and wanted to sign up out of those 16, 13 of them didn't have insurance that you accepted. So then you were left with only three out of those three, we converted two. So boom, all of a sudden that's a pretty crappy conversion rate. And it costs us 2,500 bucks when you factor in time and ad spend to get those, those 20 people in the door. Look, our businesses are not the same in the sense that, you know, I've never been a practice owner, you know, I've never been in your shoes, but I, we serve a lot of clients like you guys, but I think our, our problem is the same in the sense that it's very hard to attribute any sale or any revenue directly back to any marketing piece directly. And that's the hard part. 10 years ago, or actually realistically, like even three years ago, because of the way these ad platforms worked, I could tie a sale today to a cookie that was set 35 days ago, right? And I go like, oh yeah, they came in on that article or whatever. But then everything changed with iOS 14, all this nerd stuff I can tell you about. But the reality is, is that where we're at today in 2023, the one similarity between my healthcare tech business and your clinic is that attribution's really hard, arguably the hardest thing in the world. I would bet money actually that we're, we're very similar in this sense. If you were to take a snapshot of our daily or weekly lead flow, you know, kind of what you guys think of as new patients coming in. For us, 75% of leads can be attributed, the last click can be attributed to some sort of search. They, some sort of search, could have searched for our brand name, could have searched for, anyway, some sort of search. The interesting part, uh, sorry, and the other 25% is referral. To your, in your case, like you said, it's like that referral from 
in our case, hey, practice owner A told me about this and I'm calling you. What's interesting though is, is that when you talk to them, more and more often they'll say, oh yeah, you know, by the way, I've been seeing your stuff on LinkedIn or wherever they're seeing it. And now you can't attribute it back. Like I can't actually say that's where it worked or that's how it worked. You know, that's, can't hire or fire about that. But that's kind of where we're at in 2023. There is no direct attribution. And so I don't know if this is helpful to you or, or not, but, you know, just armchair quarterbacking your business here for a second. When I think about Thomas and our, you know, he's our director of marketing. And then we've got Adam on the other side, who's responsible for all of our revenue and, and product and stuff. The thing I always tell both of them is, is that marketing's job is to drive distribution and awareness, not dollars. And then sales job is to then turn that distribution and awareness into dollars. And that's really hard. That's easy for me to just say out loud, but this conversation with you will never directly get uh, linked to any sort of revenue. <laughs> it just, but it's hard to, to argue the fact that we can't not do this, right? Six months ago, when someone asked me what EMR I use, and I said strata, no one had heard of it. But now when I, you know, I network with a lot of people, they've like, oh yeah, okay. I, yeah. You know, whether it's at a conference the other day, you know, Hey, I saw you on, on a podcast. Um, what do you think about that strata? You know? And so, yeah, a hundred percent, you have to have this stuff going on. And one thing I, I realize is that how, how important it is too, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of technical things that you guys solve pretty easily. I I'm sure through experience, but like, just from from developing all your software to capture emails and, and having your landing pages and your websites going correctly to, to where when you start doing things, you can start to gather a list of people to do whatever you want with down the road. That's something that I look back and I think I think of a major failure point on on us is that we we didn't do that well. You know, we we well, we're getting a lot of people through our website asking us questions and we're not cap we we hadn't been capturing a lot of those emails and we hadn't been engaging with people so what i did learn from from the marketing company that we were using in a nutshell is cold marketing you should not spend a lot of your personal team's time on on that right away and the biggest return on our investment was actually what we're paying the least for on the line item list for that marketing company, which is re-engagement with our email list. You know, I was sending out an email that I thought was a kind of a crappy email because by the way, this company doesn't let you edit their content. And, you know, we have a kind of a niche over 65 patient demographic. And some of this content was more, you could tell it just didn't appeal to them. It was like, but they were responding back in droves as if I had personally sent that email out to them and, and wanted to update me and ask me how my family was doing and stuff like that. And it was really good. And people were engaging us and we were converting, you know, I told you about how we would put two weeks worth of ads behind, a, you know, this actual presentation where we would convert two people. Well, when I would send out a, a, a half rate email to 6,000 people, I would get 20 easy you re-engage and say, hey, actually, you know what? My back is bothering me. I want to come back in. And all I would have to do there is respond to an email that's already warm or hot and I can get them back in. I can say, okay, great. I love hearing from you. Um, this is Hannah, my, or you know, this is Catherine, or this is Mason. They're going to be taking care of you. Everything works out great. It's like a lot of clinic owners are thinking about marketing as if 
you have to innovate here and it's like going to the moon. Like we're not trying to build SpaceX here, guys, you know, like, and I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking about broader clinic owners. And I think you guys are ahead of the curve still, but every clinic owner is trying to like reinvent the wheel and they're trying to build like the SpaceX of marketing or something. It's like, guys, let's just be entrepreneurial about this. Like a lot of these problems we're talking about were solved by e-commerce companies 15 years ago. That dress your wife wants to buy or that golf club that you want to buy, you in your mind, you already know what you want to buy. And, and it's just a matter of making sure that that golf club that you really want is right there when you're ready to buy it. And that's that's the tricky part. Here, it's like, for example, one of the challenges, again, similar thing between your business and ours is that in one breath, I'm saying marketing is not responsible for sales. In another breath, the reality is we got to like have some ROI, right? Because like, how does Thomas know he's succeeding? How do I know that Thomas is doing well? You know, how does the business know, right? And for us, it's really just, you look at leading and lagging indicators. So for example, when we first started our content, content efforts, and I suspect, I'm, I'm curious if this is similar to how you guys were thinking about it. We don't know what piece of content's going to hit. We don't know a lot about a lot. <laughs> but at the same time, no offense to anybody that is on Thomas's team or whatever. It's like, I also can't like put six months of cash outlay into salaries and sp expenses when you could be bonusing that out to other people or whatever. So here's the way we think about it. We're going to hit record about three times a week. Ultimately, we want at least two new episodes getting produced, like full episodes getting produced per week. Each of those episodes needs to have at least two social media pieces of content that come out of it. Actually, we today we talked about going to six, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And then all that should result in it getting dripped out to our social media feeds. I think we started out as 1x a business day for three months. And then by the end of the quarter, we had enough in the bank left over or, you know, that we could start to recycle it. And now we're at two per day and we'll kind of go out. And so that was a good starting sort of leading indicator, like activity kind of helps us lead that. And then as long as it gets published, then the lagging indicator is impression count. And again, just being a little bit presumptuous here, an armchair quarterback with you guys. One of the things that I said to the entire team was like, do not look at YouTube view counts or podcast downloads as a metric of success, that you will just be pissed off if you look at that. Because the reality is, unless people really know you, they're not going to go deep diving on your content. So really the podcast, the way I think about this, you know, no offense to you guys or anybody else, the podcast is a necessary evil. We have to record these like long form pieces of content just to kind of riff, right? Because I mean, think about this. We're not even getting into the good stuff until 50 minutes into the conversation, right? It just, it's, that's just human nature. It takes that long, right? But then where we get the tens of thousands of views per week is actually in the social media pieces of content. And we chose as a company to start by dripping it out to my personal feed and then encouraging the team, not requiring, but encouraging the team to share and repost it to their own feeds if they wanted to. And we started out particularly with LinkedIn and Twitter. And actually, as recently as like a week ago, I think Thomas and I just chatted about the fact that like, for our demographic, Twitter's not working. We're going to go all in on LinkedIn. That's kind of where we're at in September of 2023 now is sort of LinkedIn. But I, I suspect it's very similar to kind of what you're going to find, even if you're not thinking about it that way, I would think you're going to find it that way as well. But I'm curious, how does that strike you? What's your gut reaction? You can totally, you don't have to agree with me on this. Definitely, because I would say our rehab this is is more along the lines of the of, of the clientele that you're going after, you know, you know, being the 
in the industry with PT. And definitely we were looking at LinkedIn and maybe Instagram as our two, our two main things there. I do know that a lot of, a lot of PTs are on Instagram. There's a lot of big Instagram PT pages and just getting some, some people on there. It's just missing our demographic of patients that we treat and also our, our style. There's not a lot of practice owners making loud noises in, in, in spaces like, like that. I think because one there, there's a huge mass of physical therapists and, you know, new grads and things like that, that if you say the wrong thing around them, you're afraid that they're going to just bulldoze you. But I'm not saying that's real. I'm just saying it's what they think about, you know. I also think that there's a ton of practice owners that just aren't thinking big picture or aren't thinking about these type of things and but might want to think about it. So they just don't know they want to think about it yet. And I, I think as our industry continues to get to get squeezed in a sense that whereas like, Right now, I think we're at a point in our industry where if you're that old school mindset, refusing to learn anything about digital marketing and branding, then I, I think that you're going to continue to lose the battles to the people that are coming up and thinking about that. So I think that as, as they continue to get squeezed, then you're going to have more people paying attention to it. And our goal is just to be in the space, active, making waves while that whole thing un, unravels. I agree with that, by the way. And one one sort of unsolicited comment I'll make there is, is that, especially at the beginning, whether, you know, like you guys, you know, you're seven practices in now or seven, seven locations in now, right? You're well past the, hey, I want to start up phase. But I think one thing that's that I would say to you and to even startup practices would be that like, even at the beginning, people follow people, they don't follow brands. You know, in our case, if you look at where we're dripping our content out, for better or for worse, is going out through my social media feeds. Certainly some cynic somewhere could be like, oh, look, it's Paul's ego or whatever. But really, it's more scientific than that. And you're just doing what's best for the company. Yeah. Yeah. We're not a well-known brand. I mean, right? Like we're not IBM. If some consultant shows up with an, maybe that's not a good example, but like somebody shows up with like a Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch shirt, you know, you're like, oh, you work for Anheuser-Busch. Okay, that's like, that's a big deal, right? But I'm not following IBM on Instagram either, you know, and I'm not gonna. <laughs> right. <you> know? <laughs> right, right. And so the reality is, is like, until you're a household name, if that's even a thing in our industry, you, you've got to like put everything behind faces. And um, I'm curious how you guys, when you guys think about sort of the active adult, I think that was what you were talking about. Have you guys thought a little bit about kind of the pros and cons of, influencer relationships or like content partnerships? I mean, it's, it could be too early to talk about that, but just curious if you guys have kicked that around a little bit. I'll say Jeremy and I have had a lot of discussions about this. I'm kind of keeping my foot on the brake when it comes to that for now, because I really want to have the best chance of having the brand grow, at least through the initial stages of, of really, truly a place where people can go get content for free with no strings attached um, just because it doesn't exist in our industry for, for the older adult. I definitely know that the more eyeballs we can get that care about the stuff we're putting out uh, down the road, we'll be able to do something with that. You can look at it from a, a success by what we can do as far as monetizing or you're making money off this brand, or you can look at, but to me, if you have no followers and, and your brand smells like you're have 
an agenda that you're trying to make money off of somebody, then I, I just don't think it's going to grow at the speed as it would if you don't. When it comes to consumer brands, like for example, your um, active adult brand that you're sort of put, pulling together, the part that people don't understand is that there's a lot of value, even if you don't monetize it directly, there's a lot of value in just sort of owning that audience. And so I'll just say it out loud now and we'll check in when you hit these numbers. But like the gist of it is, is for that part of your brand, that that active adult thing, for every 10,000 people you get on your email list for that, I bet you'll be able to indirectly and directly monetize on the tune of about a million bucks a year, just on that. So really it's like, all these people that sort of get involved, like here's my unsolicited sort of unasked for advice here, but like I wouldn't worry about political correctness or any of those other things you're, anybody's worried about because if you do this right, somebody's going to hate you. So the reality is, is just how do you give away so much content that people are like, holy shit, like how can they afford to do this? This is the moat. This is the moat that nobody else can cross once you once you do it. I was trying to explain this to my physical therapist because my I had this PTA. Uh, I love the guy. His name's Russ, and he is one of the OGs, original three of of our company. He was my mentor when I was coming up as a tech before I was a PT. I love the guy. He he says, dude, he's sitting there listening to my my ideas, and he's like, I can't believe you're going to give away all this stuff, dude. This is like, you can't be telling our secrets, man. And I'm like, Russ. I said, one, you need to get checked a little bit that you're not as special as you think you are when it comes to your secrets, okay? That's one thing. But I said, that, but that's okay. I'm not saying that as an insult. Your value is something that is not going to be given for free online. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving away anything that, that you hold any true value with. This riles me up when people say this stuff. But first of all, Anybody that's ever said that in any of my personal businesses is usually fired within 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Russ. <laughs> but, but, but there's a reason for it. Like, I'm not totally an asshole, but here, there's, here's the reason for it. From a business value standpoint, if the, if the assertion is that all of our business value is hidden in the trade secrets of how we think, that is obscene. That means I can't ever sell the business. That means the, value, the business isn't worth anything. That is crazy. So from our perspective, I'm just a big believer and give so much value that people are like, holy shit. And, and look, I get a double whammy from that. First is, even if they don't pay me for something like our, our services, the fact that they now reference our benchmark reports, I win. Right. And I can see that in Google Analytics because I can see the links. I can see them linking to the data. And then secondly, like it builds so much trust. And the thing is, is that ultimately, when you think about your practice and our business and you know, all these other businesses, ultimately everybody that's trying to compete with secrecy and NDAs, they're fighting for that long tail of revenue that is like scraps. And I choose to play, and I'm I think you're choosing to play sort of at the top, which is give away so much that like nobody over time can compete with you. It's funny you say that, that, that last thing you said about uh, nobody can compete. That's what I told Russ after that. I said, dude, I want to get us in this, into the position where nobody can do what we do. I probably owe Russ a drink now. I, <laughs> Russ, if you're listening, man, uh, next drink's on me. <laughs> he drinks Bush Light, so you don't have to spend a lot of money, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll send him a buck. You know, I'll Venmo him a buck right now or something. Oh, man. But I told him, I said, look, if, we, if, if this is successful, okay, 
if we have a ton of eyeballs watching our content through the active adult, then it's going to be in, incentivize us as a company, you know, meaning Total Therapy Florida, in producing higher quality intellectual property that can be captured on film and given for free to the public. So that's ultimately what our physical therapists that work in the brick and mortar stores want. They want to be, in general, PTs, they get burned out when they don't feel like they can give everything they have to their patients. So whether that's through regulations or whether that's through declining reimbursements where they have to get double booked, they spend all their time documenting because their EMR is slow, you know, like that's the kind of things that burn out our PTs. If I had a PT tell me the other day that if I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff and I just got to walk in there and treat my patient, I would love everything about my job. But the fact that I have to be worried about um, Medicare and worried about this and, and document everything and, you know, and, you know, with you have to schedule progress notes and worry about not getting a plan of care signed and all this stuff, that's the worst part of their job. And that's what they find themselves spending the more time on. So I told Russ, I said, look, if we can be successful outside of the traditional brick and mortar business, it's just going to help us to provide you with the experience that you want to give to your patients because, I could see us, whereas the rest of the industry is moving towards in the wrong direction. In five years from now, we're going to see even more double or triple booking. We're going to see more each client having less time to spend with them. We're going to, we're going to, so if we move now, I want to move our company the other direction. I want us to be working, you know, for our time slots, one-on-one with our clients, getting really creative about the things that we do. And having a ton of fun with it, because ultimately that's going to produce the better content. That's going to produce all the better. And then at that point, our competition can't even can't even sniff us because how do they get to that point? They can't. It's impossible. I think this is cool, man. I'm glad you're doing it. And I think the thing I'll tell you, and, and Thomas will confirm this, when we really started talking about this stuff, I mean, it's funny, Our com- this company's been around 13 years and we really didn't invest in any of this until four months ago, maybe. And, you know, really what I was just saying was like, look, I think it's it's about this content blitz. Like he'll, he probably, if I were to drop off this call, Thomas probably talk trash about me right now. Cause I just kept coming back to content blitz. Like, I don't know what's going to work. I don't know if we're going to do it right. I have no idea. But what I know is, is that what we're fighting here internally is really, you know, inertia, right? How do you go from doing nothing on a particular thing like video creation to getting really aggressive about it and setting the speed and the tone. So that's the unsolicited comment I'd make to you and to anybody else thinking about content of any type is that you're really fight If you can get over that mental block first, which you already have, which is, oh my God, what will people think of me? Then the next block next uh, beyond that is what does success really look like? And, you know, I, I was very clear, I think with Thomas and everybody else that like, we have no idea, but we're going to like have to fight moment or fight inertia first, content blitz, we're going to do two episodes a month. That sort of thing. One other thing I'll just leave you with on this topic, though, is that now we're three or four months into this on our side. And again, we're not the same as you, but I suspect you're going to run into these same similarities. The way I think about it now is, is that for every one, what you guys need in terms of like a new patient coming in is very similar to like what we would probably need as a new qualified business owner that that comes in. And working backwards, we probably, for every one good lead we need, we probably need five marketing qualified leads, meaning they've viewed our content, maybe signed up for our, they've done at least two things. So they've signed up for our email and at least one other thing, used our calculators or read our content or watched our videos. 
But here's the real kicker to get to that. So if you have a one to five relationship there to get to that, you need a 20 X relationship. So how do you get 20 X more views? Cause that's kind of the, again, this is just three to four months of data in my head. Right. But that's the way to think about this is, is that you just clarify it every quarter further and further and further. If we were having this conversation four months ago, I'd be like, I don't know, man, we're just going to blitz the market and here's how we're going to hit record and whatever. And now we can start to correlate things. And it's like, okay, well, it's a, for every 20 eyeballs I get, I'm going to get five people that become marketing qualified. So they give us an email and do something. And for every one of those five MQLs, we'll get one SQL, sales qualified lead. And even then, that's not a sale yet, but that's a sales qualified lead. Now they've, they've actually taken one more step. And so you'll probably have something very similar where you don't need to monetize this yet, but for every email you capture on the active adult, you might need 20 eyeballs. Well, how do you get that? Well, it's probably figuring out what hits on, in your case, if it's Medicare, do they actually sit on Insta? Do they sit on, where do they sit? I don't know. Maybe it's Facebook. Yeah. And I would also be, you know, and that's the front end of, of the marketing and sales. And then also, I, I think that from you know, actually driving patients into your practice, I, I think that the back end, you meaning re-engagement with, with clients is huge because so real quick, I, I know we're almost, almost out of time here, but I put into place a policy in the off season when we're kind of slow to have our director pick up the phone call and start just calling the patients that did an eval from this time, you know, last year up until last month or whatever, and just picking up the phone and following up. No one likes to do that. I understand. But, but when I, you know, we, we made about, about a hundred phone calls and I, and I, I checked on him, Hey, how's it going? You know? And he said, it's going all right. You know, not a lot of people answer. Um, I was going to ask you this, but did you want me to leave a voicemail? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you are freaking killing me right now. So I, I said, yes. I said, the point of these is not for me to just give you busy work, but just to, you know, re-engage. And I think that these clients of yours that you're calling, by the way, they, they, they've been to us. And because you're so great at what you do, I know that they love us. So why don't you pick up the phone call, the phone and call them and check up on them. And if they don't answer, leave a message, say that you really would like them to call you back so that you can get an update on how they're doing. He had made a hundred phone calls, not one consult, which is kind of how we were measuring the success of these. I said, get him in for a free consult for either a free laser or a free PT consult. Tell him that you want them to come in. The next like hundred that he made just say, I don't even think it was a hundred. We got 12 consults out of him. And he did that all in one week where the phone calls, you know, you can just pick up the phone and, and rip through these things. But I also think that right now our, our emails aren't designed properly. So I just looked the other day. I think we have 7,200 emails. If we really focus on, on those, now we're coming into the busy season you know, soon, so it's not going to be an issue. But by next off season, I really want to have this hammered out to where we can start engaging with our people all the time, but then also stepping it up and trying to actually close the deal on them as we start coming out of season. But if we can do that, I think you can all probably look at and I'll actually keep a close tab on it, but I, I, you might have this, this data for us, but I think that the percentage of 
leads to close are going to be a lot higher with patients that have already been to you and already. And, and the, the great thing about it too, is we pretty much know that we accept their insurance because if they've been to us, they either agreed to pay cash to come to us or we accept their insurance. So if we can focus on that first, I, I think that's the low hanging fruit basically. And I kick myself because I think that if you don't have your systems in place to capture that low hanging fruit, which admittingly we haven't had, we'd, we've done a crappy job of that. Then I think your numbers that you just got done talking about, you know, that those get even worse at that point because you're not just calculating for our business, you're not just calculating the first plan of care. You're calculating the fact that if you don't do it correctly, they're going to come in three times in their life, life cycle. If you do it correctly and engage with them, I suspect that that's going to be a much higher number. I think they're going to come in double that many times because they trust you and you're engaging them. And as human beings, we put off everything as long as we possibly can. If you have these systems in place to, to re-engage your past clients, then I think it doubles the effectiveness of your front-end marketing campaigns too. Just anecdotally, I think that's right. I feel like in the healthcare world, that's like, oh my God, that's like next-gen thinking, right? And it is in this industry. But man, like in the consumer world, if somebody, if your marketing manager wasn't thinking like that in the consumer world, they wouldn't make it two days in the job. <laughs> because we'd be like, hey, what's the lifetime value of that cohort? And they'd be like, I don't know. And you'd be like, okay, there's the door. Don't ever come back. <laughs> you know. How many of your clients have dedicated marketing managers, would you say? Anecdotally, I would say probably less than 5%. And even then, I bet you the most sophisticated ones of them right now probably have like a social media intern or coordinator of some sort. You know, and it's not for lack of trying, by the way. I think part of it is just not understanding how this works. And I think the other part of it is that this is one of those things you can't dabble with. You either got to go all in or you're all out. Because if you dabble, it's it's already risky. And then like the idea of like, oh, well, let me test this out with an intern, you go down that path, it's definitely not going to work. And then you're really not going to invest anything else in it. So all marketing is that is that way. You know, we didn't talk about about the direct to physician marketing, but that's one of has been one of our most successful ventures. And every other practice I talk to has said, oh, I can't believe that you're successful with that because we tried that and it doesn't work. And I'm like, you know, you didn't try it. You did a lunch or you did two lunches and you sent out some mailers and maybe, you know, we spend a ton of money on direct physician marketing and it goes from zero to the faucet is open. It doesn't, it doesn't go anything other otherwise it's five lunches and 25 cold calls and 15 phone calls and follow up on patients and stuff like that in order to get that faucet to turn on. But once it turns on, you go from, you know, we get 30 to 50 referrals per month from our top doctors. And that's a huge number. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Stories. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service, physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata, head over to stratapt.com or email us at hello at stratapt.com.